it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. I'm locked in. Are you locked in though? I'm always locked in. Rare for a pass first striker. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ring RC. I'm Musa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am all right, thanks, Musa. Another another week, a new week. Yes, yes. Good times, good times. How how are you doing? I'm full of joy. First <laughs> yeah. <of> joy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Looking at the bright sides. Looking at the bright sides of life. We had a know. big therapy session before we recorded. We did indeed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> life, man. Life, life. So, man. Super League? What Super League? Goodness me. The one that will probably resurface in a couple of years, but we'll worry about it then. Are they really telling us what they were planning was more exciting than this weekend? Really? Like, I'm all in on, like, saving all the really cool stuff because they were like, oh, yeah, let's get rid of all these teams who are providing all the fun. Yeah. Dry. Yeah. Like, how can you get rid of Athletic Club? How can you get rid of them when they're providing vibes? Or Villarreal? Like, how can you do that? What clown show? I don't want to talk about that anymore. Let's start with. Well, perhaps, no, no, no. Let's. Uh, let's we admin? haven't even. We haven't even done it. Admin or introduction yet? Come on. Yeah, but I'm so, so, I'm so. I'm so excited to get into it again. Rare for a password striker. <laughs> Assisting myself. Yeah. Bearing down on goal like Holland. All right, before we get on to today's show, we're going to do some admin quick. So don't forget to check theringer.com forward slash soccer. There were some pieces went up last week, and you can catch up with all our podcasts around the Super League. You had a piece go up on the Ringer about Daniel Kalua. I did. In advance of his victory last night, he got the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. His role in June is the Black Messiah, playing Chairman Fred Hampton. So yeah, congratulations to him. Daniel Kaluuya cleaning up. Vibes upon vibes. British Ugandans represent. (laughs) (laughs) At least someone's doing it for the culture. (laughs) 
Oh dear. Any other admin? Yeah, Stadio Outros playlist on Spotify. If you want to search for Stadio Outros, all the music we play out, and we play out with each episode in one playlist. Newest one at the top. There'll probably be more pieces going up in the next couple of weeks on the ringer, football-wise. Yep. Uh, if you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind. Uh, any other admin? I think that's it. Right's house this Wednesday. Yep, yep. You and Jeanette are on, I believe. Yes. Yes. Um, hopefully there isn't any wild breaking news Tuesday night after we've recorded <laughs> like last Goodness week. With this, with this catfish of a season. Oh dear. Uh, so today we thought that we would kind of just discuss title races, race for Champions League, mm. and also the Women's Champions League semi-finals for this weekend. So we'll talk a bit about that. And we'll also talk about the League Cup final in England, Man City mm. winning this fourth straight League Cup title mm. or League Cup, Carabao Cup. You finally realised it was an energy drink. Yeah, I get, I, I've had issues with the Carabao Cup because I'm like, I'm not intrigued to find out what it is. And Norman there's a sponsor of a couple. <laughs> oh, what does that do? Oh, there's then a data systems cup. What does, oh, it's data systems. Interesting. The Carabao Cup, I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to Google that. And it took so long and I finally Googled it. And I was like, oh, Carabao is a creature. That's that's so. It's a beautiful creature. And then it's also an energy drink. And I'm like, this isn't good marketing. This isn't good marketing from Carabao Cup. It's not. It'll, it'll always be the Rumbelows Cup to me. Yes, the Rumbelows. Yeah, or the yeah. Milk Cup. Littlewoods as well. Milk Cup was the most iconic, I think. Oh yeah, it's amazing. I actually know when it was Coca Cola Cup, that was good. But Milk Cup was iconic. It was because it felt so timeless. Yeah, I mean, just who has a milk cup? Is that not the most English thing? The only thing that, in fact, quickly before we move on to the actual show, milk cup, very English. What sponsors could you have for the League Cup that are more quintessentially English? You couldn't really. Yorkshire Tea Cup? True. Because then you've literally got tea cup in the, in the centre. Like, it's the Yorkshire Tea Cup. Something maybe like a Betty's and Taylor's almost, that kind of thing. Yorkshire Tea Cup sounds timeless though. The Yorkshire Tea Cup. Yorkshire Tea Cup. Sounds like a local cricket tournament. Yeah, it does. It does. Well, Rumbelows was good for something. It just flowed. It sounded right, you know? Yeah, but Rumbelows were like, a, they used to do like washing machines and stuff. Yeah, but the, it was weird. But the brand is it's weird. It's, it's funny how sometimes a corporation with the right branding, like JVC for Arsenal, it just felt right. It looked yeah. right. You know, it just felt official or like, you know, sharp for Manchester United. Mm. Some, or, you know, candy for Liverpool. It could be a good mailbag episode. That's true, actually. Most fitting sponsors and also least least flattering. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Probably a lot of those, yeah. All right, we'll get on to the title races after this. Yep. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, man, do you mind if we start in France? Because I think one of the most impressive results of the weekend for me was probably Lille's win over Lyon on Sunday yeah. night at Lyon. Mm. Um, this came after, I think, well, yeah, the context of this, I think, was because PSG had gone top the yeah. night before after beating Mets 3-1 mm. in Mets. Slightly so, hard work of that. 
They did. Killing Mbappe with two and then a Mauro Cardi penalty right at the end to seal it. And that put all the pressure on Lille in probably their most difficult game remaining in the league. Mm. And also flag up the Mbappe injury, which might have a consequence for... Yeah. Is there any news yeah. on how long he'll... I haven't seen any, no news on it, but he went off with the injury. So no news yet. I mean, but... that's, that's bad news for them ahead of the Champions League returning this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I thought that Lille, this was just a super fun game anyway. Mm. Um, Slamani could have taken, Slamani took the lead after 20 minutes for Lyon, but he could have had one before that little like chest down and like the ball set up and he tried to just like loop it over the keeper. Yep, yep. But yeah, he ended up taking the lead for Lyon after about 20 minutes and then Jose Font, own goal for the second. Lost his bearings a bit. Yeah, just kind mm. of caught him. Yeah, unawares. And then Burak Yilmaz with a, worldy of a free kick just rolling back the years <laughs> rolling back the years <laughs> my god that was like a that was like a pro evo I want to say maybe four PS4 maybe like the trajectory of that free kick was like when you catch when you catch it very very true Liga footballs yeah. again man been very lucky they've been very blessed this year been caught caught nice and true it looked a like a moment year. that belonged in a Champions League actually it was funny like watching him do that watching him kind of go supernova in the second half was a bit like well, he's like 35 now and he's put in these you know, performances his whole career. And it's like, I love watching these older gunslingers just rousing themselves for like mm. these brilliant like passages of play. Um, that free kick was like, it looked like a kind of like Janino Panambucano or something. It looked like a Leon type vibe. It was, yeah. Gorgeous free kick, yeah. Uh, and he assisted for Jonathan David's goal as well. David's having a great season too. Two and assist for Burak Yimlas. That is a very fun front too, actually. Yeah, it is. Christophe Galtier afterwards was, he kind of looked like he broke down. He was so overjoyed. Oh yeah, I think, that I was one of that emotional. Was, yeah. You could tell that this was probably the one, because the rest of their run-in is Nice at home, Lens away, Saint-Étienne at home, and then they finish against Angers on the last game of the season. Very manageable. This was a big win. And if you think in the last four games, they've since they lost to Nîmes, they beat PSG away, they beat Metz away, they had that slightly disappointing draw at home to Montpellier and then going to Lyon and winning. Well, I mean, the pressure going to Lyon and winning, going 2-0 down as well after PSG had gone top the day before. If they win the league... This is the moment. I mean, to regroup, to regroup after the, over the, Jos- the Josie Font own goal, to regroup after that mm. is just so gutsy. And, the, you know, we, we, talk, we joke about statement victories on this podcast, but you need a victory that proves that you can go the whole way and do it. You know, like when Leicester beat Man City that time, 3-1 at City, and Mares just basically put them on toast. And it's the moment when people felt they start believing. And some Leicester players were like, that was actually one of the games who were like, we're going to do this. It feels like they've had a few this season, though, Leo. Like, obviously, yeah. the PSG result a few weeks I, back. I think, they've, I think they just keep hanging tough. That's the thing. They keep hanging in there. You know, even consider they've had some changes, but they've, they've just got that just speaks to the depth. And people have come and stepped up, like Jonathan David, for example, he's stepped up. And you've got a nice balance of ages in the squad. You've got a nice range of experience and youth. So it's a good configuration. I think was it Pochettino was saying about Ligue 1 saying the fitness levels are like so impressive. And that's the thing we don't fully, I love, I love the Poch clock stuff like that because mm. you don't always get that. You know, Poch is someone that you know, obviously loves fitness, fitness and is feasted off. And I think it's kept PSG quite battle hardened. I think the quality of Ligue 1 has kind of crept up on the rest of Europe really. Mm. I don't think Poch is naive about the style of the threat. I think he's completely worth how good the teams are. But the fitness thing is interesting because it's just the kind of the relentlessness of teams. Like you look at Mets, for example, the game they gave, they gave 
PSG an absolute chasing at the weekend. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's lining up to be a really great, really great ending. A denouement, as they say in France. Oh. Yeah, listen, I can flex some, some French on me. Listen, I contain multitudes. May we? There we go, exactly. Also a really good weekend for Monaco. Yes. They beat RJ 1-0 away. And good, because good of Lyon's result, that means that they've extended their gap in the third Champions League spot. Nice comeback for Niko Kovac. The one thing I would say about Lille is, the one thing I will say is the firepower in the closing stages, that might be a little bit of a challenge because PSG and Monaco are much more free scoring. Yeah, I mean, out of the top five, they scored the least goals. Mm. The fewest goals, sorry. Yeah, I mean, defensively tight. It just, that's the one thing. It's about just grinding the goals out. But then again, at this point of the season, it's narrow anyway, isn't it? They've only lost three games in the league this season. Considering PSG have lost eight games, Monaco right. seven. I think the midsection of, of Liga has slightly got a lot better and a lot more resilient. Like, I think it's taken a jump. We saw in the Premier League actually mm. um, a few years ago, there was one year where basically like four or five teams in the middle of the table all got like 20% better. Mm. And a lot of people weren't ready for it. They came back from the, from the summer holidays and they got caught cold, but Lille haven't got caught cold. Probably some of those draws would be games they should have lost actually as well. Mm. But yeah, Liga looking good, looking spicy. Let's go from Liga to the Bundesliga because even though that the t- there's not really a title race anymore in the Bundesliga, the title was not decided on the weekend. <laughs> it was not. It was not. Bayern getting done in Mainz 2-1 by Mainz, who were 2-0 up. The only positive thing for Bayern in this, I suppose, is probably for Lewandowski, who got his goal, which means he's four goals off Gerd Müller's forty-goal record with three, with yeah, with three, with three games to go after off the back of yeah, four weeks out. Ridiculous. Mainz took the lead really early on when Jonathan Burkhardt and then Robin Quazon got the second. Yeah, Neuer's mistake for first. The f- um, yeah, this is, hmm, there's been a few, couple of these in very quick succession. One against PSG in the first leg, which I think he could have done better one, the, the Ganao mm. in the Aya one. Yeah. And this one was straight at him. And Neuer has this thing sometimes that I think he believes is, <laughs> he's so confident in his own ability to just, you know, he does the straight arm clench yeah. fist thing a lot. Yes, Neuer. yes, 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 yes. Whereas I think a lot of goalkeepers in this position would have just moved their body over and Put got the body, body behind, behind the ball yes. and yes, like yes, kind yes. of like gathered it in their chest. He made a very good save later, which he did that for. Mm. He put yeah. more of himself behind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the old like cricket long barrier thing. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. I mean, it's not your whole but, body, but you've got to get, it's the same principle. You've got to get your body point. behind it so that you're not relying on just a limb. Oh no, that's exactly the same principle. No, you're totally right. Like, um, and I think, you know, it came early because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, did he just, um, get incited? But you know, there's one that Drogba scores against, uh, Liverpool where he spins really fast and smacks us. Maybe mm. it was that, but actually the term was fairly slow and he could see it was t- not, not slow, but it was fairly telegraphed what was going to come. And he was just, Still he a good so, hit, though. yeah, it was a good hit, but he, he looked so embarrassed. He, he kind of so started giggling, not giggling, but he had this like weird smile on his face. Sheep after sheep. He was just a bit like, mm, yeah, you know it was like, actually, it was kind of, even I don't really have anything to c- complain about there. It was the kind of look of like, if one of you in front of me had done that, I'd be like yelling, I'd be biting your head. <laughs> it was on those, it was, like, it was like, yeah, that's really embarrassing because I would, I would chew you out for that. Uh, ben Pavar had a, had a little go at recreating his goal against Argentina. Yeah, he nearly said, I was, gonna, I was laughing. I, was, I knew you were going to say that. I was like, I was like, oh, Pavard's trying to score his goal again. <laughs> that was exactly how I felt. <laughs> but it didn't work. No, no, it didn't. Because everyone's everyone seen that goal now. Even yeah. Lewandowski's finish was, it looked like a bit of a scuff, even though I'm not sure if it was or not. It was a, it was a nice finish. There was quite a few of those this, this uh, weekend, actually. Quite, it was a nice little Some, clip Yeah, finishes. Leon Bailey's. Was it Leon Bailey's goal for Leverkusen? 
Yes, the first one. Yeah, that was really lovely, actually. Just the where the ball comes over and he kind of just cushions it down underneath the keeper from a really tight angle. It just yeah, rolls lovely, in. Lovely, yeah. Um, but back to this game because so so buying the alcohol fry beer is on ice. It is indeed. But it means they might be able to win it at home. Yes. They play Gladbach next in the league. A point will be enough for Bayern next week. Yeah. But I want to talk about Mainz because Mainz are a club that not a lot of people pay attention to outside of Germany. And I know a load of Bundesliga people who cover the Bundesliga in Germany will probably be saying, well, not a lot of people cover them that much in Germany either. Because, you know, they're not like a cult club. But we owe them a lot. There are a lot of people who've come through Mainz. Yeah, yeah. I actually wrote, I think the only pair of tweets I wrote this weekend, after a little nice weekend off Twitter. Oh, right. It was about Bo Svensson. Because the job that Bo Svensson has done since coming into Mainz is frankly otherworldly. It's remarkable, yeah. Mainz are on 34 points now. When he arrived in January... They were on six points. 28 of their 34 points have come since he arrived in January. But the job that he has done there... It's incredible. And I genuinely think that the only thing that is stopping him, personally, from getting a Coach of the Year shout is the fact that he only turned up in January. Since he arrived, they have beaten Bayern, beat Gladbach away, they beat Leipzig. The final four games of the season, they have Hertha at home, Frankfurt away, Dortmund at home... Augsburg at home. So basically, three Champions League contenders on the three on their final three games of the season for Mainz. They could have a massive say in who goes into the Champions League this season. Yeah. We'll move on to that in a little bit, but I just wanted to say that the job that Bo Svensson has done, returning to his old club, he played centre centre back for for years. After only a couple of years at Austrian second division side Liefering. And he did pretty well with them, actually. I think he left he they finished third in the, his only full season and then they were doing pretty well in the season that he left for Mainz this year. But man, this side... Uh, Mainz, Anyone that watched them last year can, compared to this year, it is a different universe. Compo- anyone who watched them in November. Yeah. Yeah. To be honest. It's, it's extraordinary. If you'd said to me start of last year where you thought they'd be, I'd be like, I, I can see them as being, they'll be struggling to avoid the drop. So yeah, really impressive. I would keep an eye on Mainz for the rest of the season. I mean, there's only, they've only, they only have four games to go. The game in hand against Hertha, if they win that, they go above Hoffenheim and only two points behind Stuttgart, who we have been raving about this season. Yeah. And rightly so as well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. rightly so. I just, but I think that's, that's a sign of the job that Svensson has done there because they looked kind of out for the count, Mainz, earlier on in the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, 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 they were candidates. They looked like they were, they were going to be in trouble for long stretches. Mm. It's really impressive, actually. Yeah. Just that, that mid, the, mid, the quality of the coaching in that midsection is like... Oh, it's, it's, it's so it's yeah, amazing. It's, so, I mean, it's, a, so, it's a sign of how good a lot of those sides have been this season that now Werder Bremen have been dragged into a relegation battle again. They're only yeah. a point ahead of the uh, relegation, the, the relegation playoff. Obviously, Hertha have got this backup of fixtures now. And the final two games of the season will be played in a quarantine kind of bubble. Mm. Hertha have got three games in hand on Köln, who are only three points ahead. Now, I honestly, Hertha could get nine points out of that. They could get none. Right, exactly. Because the thing about games in hand is when you're down there, people can talk all they like about games in hand, but it's like 
at this point, having points on the board psychologically is just huge. Hmm. One bad result and everything starts to, and one bad result could be a draw, could be a nil-nil draw. Like a nil-nil draw where you're like, oh my goodness, our attack isn't firing. And then anything happens. Bad result for Herder against Mainz, even a draw. And it looks grim. If Herder somehow get out of that, there's a very real chance that Bremen could be in the, qualif- in the relegation playoff again for a second year running. And then for Kofeld, that raises serious questions because I don't think this Werder Bremen squad should have been in the relegation playoff or anywhere near it for two years on the bounce. Agreed, agreed. And I do wonder whether with Kofeld, it's more of a... Um, he needs ball players, and I don't really think he has that with the squad. The Verde, there's there's enough quality in that Verde Bremen squad to not be dragged down into the bottom three. I think every year for the last two seasons, but I think that the way that Kofeld wants his sides to play, I don't think, I don't think it really suits the personnel there. Bad fit, yeah. I actually wonder whether he might be he might get a a job somewhere higher up. I was chatting to Jasmine Babber about him. We were saying potentially like Leverkusen might be a shout for him. Mm. It'd be interesting. And I think Kevin Hatchard, was it Kevin Hatchard? I think it was Kevin Hatchard I was saying on Stylecast last week about wanting to see Kofeld at a club just out of interest higher up to see if he actually is like a really there's good so, coach. Or there's not. something so German about like giving a relegated coach a better job. It's like, we didn't have the right pieces. We understand. We see the talent. Do you know what I mean? Like they're, they're so good at like seeing players who've like gone down been relegated they're like yeah 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 you'll mm. do like you've got the we've we've seen the qualities in you someone suggested Tedesco to go to Eintracht which I would actually love that if, if Dominico Tedesco came back he plays some I mean he, he, his team's played some lovely stuff actually that'd be nice yeah speaking of Eintracht they lost on the weekend and with Dortmund winning it means that there's only a one point gap between them for the final Champions League spot. And with Dortmund's far superior goal difference, they've got a nine better goal difference than Eintracht. Look, I'm not, I'm not a betting man, right? I'll just get that out there first. But a friend of mine was like doing an accumulation. He's like, oh, I want to put a couple of quid on like Leverkusen's result. And I was just like, this is a couple of months ago. Ryan, I burst out laughing. I was like, just buy yourself, I was like, just buy yourself an ice cream or something. Like you can- <laughs> Leverkusen's form is so uncertain for such strange, but they're, they're a team that actually at their best are, they're wonderful, right? When Leverkusen are on, they are a match for anyone in this division. They really are. Like, and, you know, Eintracht aren't mugs. No. And yeah, they, and they got turned, I mean, the goals, the goals did come late to be fair in this match, but I don't know, Leverkusen, they're so entertaining, but that's also why they're frustrating, if that makes sense. Yeah, since the Bayern result, it went all over the place. And before that, it was very, very solid. This is a result you'd expect to see from Leverkusen in the autumn. But yeah, it was a great result for them. Really entertaining game. And great to see, actually, it was quite sort of poignant to see the players that first got them on that great run all scoring. So Rolario, Bailey and Dimebe. But yeah, that, that midsection of the Bundesliga was really strong. And Dortmund might escape out of that because... They're making a bit of a charge for the Champions League as well. Well, that's what I'm saying. What, yeah, Dortmund? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's a point behind... They're a point behind Frank Eintracht now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You know, beating Wolfsburg away 2-0, who are in the Champions League spots, you know, Wolfsburg are third. Huge result. Holland back on goal scoring four. He got and they both. were down to 10. They were down to 10. For the last half an hour, yeah. Uh, Jude Bellingham became the second youngest ever player to get sent off in the Bundesliga. <laughs> <laughs> and the youngest player for, I think, 35 years. Breaking records everywhere. I think Carl, I sent it in the writer's house group and Carl said, uh, 
They grow up fast. They grow <laughs> up fast. He has had the full Bundesliga experience, hasn't he? Jude Bellingham. I mean, he's been unbelievable this season. And the, the bad thing about that, though, is that that is a really big miss for them. Yeah, yeah. The way that is. he's been playing, they've got Holstein Kiel in the cup next, and then they've got Leipzig the week after. Uh, Eintracht against Mainz next. So it's all there, man. It's all. It is. It is. All there. That, 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 that is. That is very close to call. I got to say. Who are you going for? Uh, make a call. Make a call. Okay. Uh, I still think that right. So Bayern, Leipzig, Wolfsburg. I think they're. I, I think Wolfsburg are going to make it. Actually. And they're resilient enough to make it. I think. Mm. I, I think that Dortmund will. I think Dortmund will because they've got the firepower. Actually, I'm gonna say Dortmund. But I think Dortmund have scored in every game for like forty odd games. So it's and like Holland is and Hall, also Holland's in that mood. I think that's a big factor. I think you know, yes, Bellingham's a loss, but he's only that big a loss because he's forced himself into consideration because he's been brilliant this year. But they've got quality um, in that squad to replace Bellingham. I just think the mood that Holland is in. If you can do that against Wolfsburg, who don't concede many goals, well, they've conceded 32 this year. Second best defence in the Bundesliga. And he had them on toast. He had the entire back four on toast. A goal down, and he basically broke by himself onto that direct through ball and just sorted them out. Like, that guy is, he's the difference. He stays fit. He stays in that team. They're going through. Yeah. Very, very quickly, Haasfeld drew on the weekend. We've seen this picture before. Holstein Kiel have got three games in hand on them and they are two points behind. Uh, Holstein Kiel won their first game back out of quarantine on the weekend. If they win their other three, they'll go two points behind Bochum. The good news for Hamburg was that St. Pauli beat Greuther Fort, though. It wasn't as catastrophic as it could have been. St. Pauli doing Hausfeld favour is wild. I know, right? Let's take a break. Yep, yep. All right, man. Spain is calling. We have a lot of league, as they say. We really have league. Can I start with the Sevilla-Granada game, please? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. One of the wildest things that I've ever <laughs> seen happen in this game. <laughs> it was unbelievable. <laughs> like, <laughs> Sunday <laughs> league vibes. <laughs> Sunday league vibes. So even Rakitic puts Sevilla ahead early on. Lucas Acampos gives them a two-goal advantage assisted by Papu Gomez. Lucas Acampos's goal, actually, was really aesthetically pleasing because he kind of like, even though it was a little bit lucky, but as he hit it, he then ended up kind of doing a knee slide. It was really cool. <laughs> it just looked really cool. Roberto Soldado got a penalty back on the, in the 90th minute and then the board went up for four minutes added time. The referee blew for full time, dead on 93 minutes. All of the Granada players were kind of going wild and the referee kept pointing to his watch being like, no, look, the watch says, the watch says, even though the time in at the top oh, of the thing no. clearly said. So they go off and then they come back on to the point where like a couple of the Sevilla players had to put their socks back on and all kinds of stuff like that to play out the final minute. I've never seen anything like this. It's extraordinary. I mean, it, it would have to happen. It would have to be in this season of all seasons that would happen because this has just been a season of chaos. But the problem with playing that final minute is that, of course, the momentum is all gone. Like, it's yeah. not a normal final minute because no. the energy is different, all of that. The ball's in different position, all of it. You can't reset it to what it was. It's, it's wild. And that's a really important game as well. It's a really important match. Yeah, I think Dermot Corrigan tweeted, I'm paraphrasing, but I think he said something like, um, as far as he understands it, the referee is in charge. So if he blows, he blows. Mm. 
So I don't really know what the ruling would have been for the for them to come out and play that final minute. It's quite interesting. I, I, I do not. Do you know what though? It sets it's a, a bit of a dang, It sets a bit of a dangerous precedent, though. I think. What litigating final minutes? Yeah, because if the referee blows up after a certain amount of time, mm. I mean, there could be any number of reasons why he went for ninety three minutes instead of ninety four. For example, he could have said, "I said three minutes. They put up four. I mean, I don't think that was what happened, but because otherwise right. they wouldn't have played that final minute. But I want to know what's happened in between that. I might, uh, I might do a little bit of research. I wonder, if it is, I wonder if it's such a singular event, though. I wonder if it's so singular that it ends up just being its own thing. Maybe. Because it was... Yeah, some, someone even tweeted... One of the, one of the uh, severe plays even tweeted, oh, yeah, let's just play the whole match again. Like, yeah. if you want. Yeah, we'll come up and play the whole thing again. Yeah, we'll do it all again. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they don't mind. We go again. We go again. But the result itself... Huge result. Four teams within three points of each other at the top of the league. Sevilla have just crept up on the outside rail. They really have. But they've also uh, guaranteed Champions League qualification now. Um, Love it. But yeah, they're a point behind Barcelona and a point behind Real Madrid. Barcelona have obviously got a game in hand on the top two. Oh. Real play Sevilla. So Can play you Sevilla. imagine if Barcelona win the fucking league this year? Inject it, to be honest. Like part of me, there's a part of me that kind of like wants to see it for the narrative. Like I don't necessarily want it, but I, I would, for the narrative, I would, I think I would find it interesting, but it is sad, I suppose, for Atleti because first half of their season, absolutely extraordinary, oh, right? Man. Yeah. First half of their season, extraordinary. You know, we, we know we've discussed the reasons a lot of times, like why that's happened. Um, it's a shame for them, obviously. Barca are playing some glorious football in fairness to them. Griezmann's firing as well. Yeah, it's nice to see Griezmann coming through. Griezmann got a beautiful first goal. Mm, you talk about really gorgeous. Nice, actually. There were a lot, you know what I've got to say? I've seen more beautiful dinked finishes this week than I've seen in the previous, what, month put together? Yeah, Griezmann's, of all the beautiful dinked finishes, and actually shout out to Yilmash's winner, actually, I didn't mention that. This is probably the pick of the lot. This was the technique to do that. Like you're so good. outside of the left foot, inside the far side netting, from the right flank, finishing with confidence. He wasn't finishing those a couple of months ago. No, it was he really, really wasn't. He looks, <clears throat> he looks good. And we didn't really mention it the other day, but like Messi was on a hat trick and gave the penalty to Griezmann midweek as well, which I think speaks. It really does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Underrated leader, I think, Leo Messi. Personally. He is, he is. I, you know, we were obviously doing this, uh, we're going to do this podcast eventually at some point, the M4 Clascos. And- yeah, we will do it, but we promise. We'll do it next week because I think it will be the anniversary of the final one. So we'll yeah. do it on that one. I love watching who Messi celebrates with mm. and like in those big games, him running to the like the subs and just hugging all the subs. Betis getting a point against Real Madrid on Saturday night. Nil, nil draw in Madrid. More rain. So much rain in Madrid. What's going on? Existential. Pathetic yeah. fallacy. I mean, Real, and, and it has to be said, of course, like, you know, we know they have vast resources. They really have been ravaged by injury and COVID. Yeah, they yeah, they're absolutely ravaged. Yeah. I'd be interested to see how many different lineups they fielded this season. Mm. Like how often it's been and how many consecutive lineups they've had the same. Yeah. Missing Kroos, missing Ramos as well, right? Still. Yeah. 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 So it was all set for Atleti just to beat Athletic Club. Um, they were missing Jar Felix and Luis Suarez. And Correa hasn't been the most reliable finisher. This, he's not been. No. 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 Stefan Savage got an equaliser at Atleti after Athletic took the lead. 
Yeah, he got quite a late equaliser and you thought they might squeeze a point out of it, which at that point would have been, would have taken that, frankly. Mm. Um, because a point against Athletic Club, home or away, frankly, is, is that you never, it hasn't been a bad result for the last 20 years. Yeah. But then Inigo Martinez stepped up with a header that just, you know, sometimes when a team scores, was such an emphatic header, it was four minutes from the end. And it felt like, as I say in basketball, it felt like a dagger. Mm. Because it's the thing that now it drags, it means that, you see, Barca, even before this result, Barca had to win all the rest of their games to win La Liga. Now they can possibly get a point against Atleti and still win. Now, Barca, of course, the mood they're in and the way they're playing, the cohesiveness they've got, this is why the Copa del Rey is now important because they've got that trophy behind them. They know they can win. They know they can get the victory on a given day. They know they can step up for the big occasion. And that's why these Copa Final, that's why these, that's why the trophies are important. Like mm. a lot of managers don't believe in that, but those individual victories really matter because this is going to be a series of like standoffs. And it's difficult to bet against Barca in this current, like there's a moment as well when Messi, when Messi decides that he wants to win a trophy and a trophy is in sight, it's like nothing else in football. And Messi's got, he's got the flared nostrils at the moment. Like he wants this. And he's got a really strong supporting cast as well. Like when, when, when Barcelona are winning tight games and Messi isn't having to score. The one thing that, I w- that someone did notice on Twitter, I think someone pointed out card trouble. There could be an issue with like Frankie de Jong. He's one of those players that is like, he's not their best player, but in a sense, he may be the most important player because he's the one that is least readily replaced. If Messi are missing Barca, they can still grind out a goal here or there. But Frankie de Jong is so important for the regulation of that back line, the flow of the ball through the team. And also the positions he's taking up. Like, I don't, you know, we've discussed this many times about the positions he takes up on the pitch, but his movement in the final third has been so good, so ambitious. It's really stretched teams. Yeah, he had that dink on the weekend, which went just wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and then it, and Kuman, well, Kuman was going absolutely berserk about it. <laughs> Yes, I yeah. believe that. But Dembele with a beautiful peel away and pass, oh, cross a pass. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was a bad, it was a bad finish. I mean, he could have gone round him at that point. Yeah, or just um, side footed it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he went, he did go a bit Hollywood. Yeah. I love Frankie went to Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> the next two games are going to be really interesting, right? I have a, what if Sevilla pick up six points in their next two games against Athletic and Real Madrid? Absolutely plausible. Absolutely plausible. They're in the mix. And their running's not too bad either. Well, if they get through those, oh, if they get two wins in those two games, which is a big, big, big ask, but Real Madrid have got Champions League coming up as well, remember. Um, they then have Valencia at home, Villarreal away, and then they finish it against Alaves. I think we've literally, I, I legit think we've got a four-team title right here. Yeah. And you know that Rakitic is thinking about this as well. Rakitic is obviously... There's a lot of like... There's so much narrative. Suarez at Atleti, <laughs> Rakitic <Yeah>. at Sevilla, <laughs> Papu Gomez after falling out with uh, Gasparini. Yeah, there's Just a lot, there's a lot like of like redemption. edge. Um, who do you think is going to win the league? Barca. Do you? I do actually. I think they're going to do it. I think they've got, they've got Messi and he's got a supporting cast. He didn't have that before. Do you remember what I said a, a few podcasts ago? I think I said something like it would be so Atleti if they stumble and then they beat Barca to put them back in prime, prime uh, pole position and then they'll trip up against like Valladolid. It would, I, th- I think it's Barca's league now. I just think that they have the cohesion. I have to the admit, re- I have to admit, sorry, I have to admit, I didn't, I didn't 
when we were when we were doing that initial look ahead a few podcasts ago, I I didn't think that the Atleti Barca game would be as quite as important as it is turning out to be. I knew no, it would be neither. important, me but neither. I didn't think it would be this important. Me neither, Ryan. No way near. Especially when you see the loss in the, um, the Classico. And I'm like, okay, well, that is obviously a thing they've got to work. There's an experience thing there with Real. We've talked about that a thousand times, but I think there is also a slight sort of psychological take the, take the mantle. Mm. But sometimes the mantle doesn't matter. We've seen this a lot of times in, in um, title races where we look at a fixture going, that's the key fixture, but actually it's irrelevant because it's about picking up t- points against teams that others can't or don't. Mm. So sometimes you place, and this isn't, I'm guilty of this, Sometimes, you know, football pundits, commentators place too much emphasis on key matchups, you know. I can't call it. See, I'm calling it. See, I've I've, I've said it with my chest though. Fuck it, severe. There you go. Have that. There we go. There we go. Have that. Can you imagine if Lopetegui wins the league with severe? That's another narrative thrown in. that, That is a wild narrative. If he beats Real, my goodness, let me just, I don't have any... Tea, I've got some coffee. Let me sip, let me sip some coffee at the thought of like Lopetegui beating mm. Mm, all that vengeance. Have we ever seen, have we ever seen a La Liga with so much vengeance? One of the most vengeful La Liga. You know, you know what it is? It's a spaghetti Western. It's like the four members, the four players, the, the four teams are in a bar all pointing guns at each other. Like that was the end of Reservoir Dogs when they're all pointing guns at each other with the standoff. It's like that. And I think, I, this is, I think it's been really good for the league because I think that we said at the beginning of the season that we thought that league was in trouble this year from a quality perspective. And I still think that's true. I think we've seen that at various points through the season. Yeah, yeah. And you've seen that, I think, with the progression of teams in Europe, even though weirdly they've got one team in the Euro, uh, Europa League semi-final and they've got one in the um, Champions League semi-finals. But I think the performances as a whole of Spanish clubs in Europe this season has been quite disappointing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. The fact that they've got four teams within three points of each other at the top of the league. It's a really, really, really good thing for La Liga. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. We spoke about Frankie Dion quickly then. Let's talk about his old club really quick. Ajax basically won the league. They're 12 points clear of PSV, but they have a goal difference of, superior goal difference of 33. Goodness, right. And they beat Azale Alkmaar 2-0 at home with fans. 7,500 in the Ion Corrie Farina. Two goals from David Klassen. Goal machine. He's had a journey. He's had he a real had a journey. journey. Player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To Verder and back. <laughs> <laughs> but he's, yeah, he's someone who, I think there was a stage David Klassen's career where he was expected to elevate, but just didn't get lucky with mm. the club and the coach. Um, quickly to Serie A, main takeaway from me this weekend was... Always watch Atalanta. Atalanta goes second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're recording this ahead of Lazio-Milan, by the way. So if, if, if yeah. Milan don't win that game, Atalanta will now be second with Huge. three games yeah. to go. Sorry, five games to go. Someone said to you at a certain point in the last uh, few months ago, Atalanta will be second in Serie A, five games to go, without Gomez at the club or Ilicic in the lineup. You'd be like, what? This actually, Gasparini, the genius of Gasparini, Malinowski playing beautiful football, Froilers looked great, stepped up. It's just, it is a production line. When you have a coach of that genius and you have the pieces like that, it's just, they were a joy. So they beat uh, Bologna 5-0. Damian got a late winner for Inter over Verona. Um, Lautaro Martinez looked really, really bright for them. And Fiorentina, a draw against Juventus. And... Uh, mm. 
Juve just stop start in the last few games. What was really interesting about the Fiorentina thing though was that if they'd, I think it was James Horncastle tweeted about it, that they, that would have been the first time because they went one 0 up, and they would, that would yeah, have been yeah. the first time they'd done the double over Juve in Serie A since they won the title in 1969. Yeah. Oh my god, mm. that's wild. Well, obviously a, a very bad result for Juventus um, and Inter are just they're out by themselves. Um, that's that's going to happen now. But that's they've been kind of champions elect. You know, champions elect for what three weeks now. Yeah. So yeah, great, great work from Inter, great resilience. And they've ground out key results as well. They've been really impressive. Shout from Rata's goal though for Juve. Um, it was a lovely goal. I mean, he literally just come on as well. Yeah. I, he always seems like, I've, I've said this a lot about Murata. He always feels like he's, I always feel like he's on the verge of a new burst. If he just gets the finishing like nailed down, he becomes a supreme striker. And he's gifted enough in other areas of his game. It's like a, it's like a Bamford or Calvert-Lewin thing. Murata could go on a run a year from now and just be like, hit a peak and never come down. And they need him to as well. They need him to, um, because obviously the team is making a transition. And I think if you look at Atalanta and Juve, it's funny, they're both teams that are making transitions away from players who've carried them mm. the last couple of years. Not, that's not a negative thing, that's just football, but I'm really excited for Atalanta's transition because they've managed it. Malinowski is now a brilliant playmaker. Miranchuk, great supporting cast. Sabata stepped up so much this year. But I think for Juve, the challenge for them is after Ronaldo, but then they got Chiesa too. They got Chiesa coming through. It might liberate their front line, actually, to be honest. Uh, I think that'll be fine for talent. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's quickly uh, just touch on a few things in the Premier League because we're not going to go into the Premier League much this week. So I'm just going to give props. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give props to Everton. Yep. I'm going to give props to Newcastle United. I'm going to give props to Chelsea. That's a huge win for them. Massive. Sheffield United also picking up a win over Brighton, which is a, it's one of those. It's just like too late, way too late. Yeah, but bad for Brighton. Though. Bad for Brighton. Props to Burnley. Huge yeah, they win showed over out. Wolves. They showed out. Chris Wood, hat trick, and then assisted Ashley Westwoods. Not bad. And he's overtaken uh, Ashley Barnes, I think, now as their all-time... Premier League goal scorer, Chris Wood. Oh, wow. We're going to swerve to the actual Premier League stuff this week. We'll, we'll cover it more next week. But yeah, props to Burnley and especially Newcastle United as well, I think. in the I think we had Chelsea. Chelsea's the biggest one, Chelsea, I would say. West Ham's run is not too bad, actually. West Ham still should fancy the chances. Hey, Everton, Everton can still creep up there as well, though, dude. So, yeah, yeah, very much so. Very Champions much so. League race is on. It is. Uh, League Cup final. Pep has won the League Cup again. Was it four on the bounce? Find you someone who loves you like Pep loves the League Cup. They left it late though, man. They did, they did. Emmerich Laporte with a head, with an amazing header to be fair. He's had a journey of a season as well. I really love Emmerich Laporte. Lovely player, lovely player. But the generation that he's in, it's such a, it's a strange time for him. He's in a generation where, you know, for France, in a different era, you know, he'd just be like number one, number two defender. Mm. But he's just in a mix with so many greats at the moment. Um, so many fine players. The only surprise I think about this game was probably that it took City so long. They were so they dominant in the really first half. They missed chances. In the f- they missed chances like a team that was expecting to get more chances. They, they, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't ruthless. Spurs had 
two shots in the entire game, one on target. I feel like it's a little bit of a weird game to analyse this because I think Spurs going into it under Ryan Mason is a really tricky job for Ryan Mason as much as I'm just glad that he's healthy and working again. I'm yeah. not entirely sure whether he should be there if you look at the experience of a certain couple of individuals who are assisting him in the yeah, process. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like Chris Powell, for example, I think is a far more qualified person to take over in charge until the end of the season. Especially in that scenario. Yeah. You know, managing yourself in like, in games, in, in big games. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think anyone is going to put any blame on Mason. He's 29 years old. He's had no managerial yeah. experience and he's thrust into like a really important home game and then a final at Wembley. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of bizarre but Manchester City was such good value for this win yeah they were such good value great fluidity just the finishing really that was it and those and also like Loris did pull off some mm. like some really smart saves and Foden just finding those pockets of space like he always does I mean he's just been he's next level for Spurs it's another opportunity missed to end that drought it was but then <sighs> but I don't think you can really complain I, no, I, because, I mean, obviously, just, it's really hard to say stuff like that because it sounds like you're just kind of like writing it off as, ah, oh, it doesn't matter, it's Man City. But, you know, I've been to a League Cup final recently against Man City myself uh, as an Arsenal fan. Sometimes it's just, it's a little bit easier to compartmentalise when it's against a side like that, I think. And especially, especially with the circumstances that Spurs have had. Like, if Spurs were firing the season and they were settled and they had a really good, like, squad chemistry, squad balance, which I still don't think they have, um, and that's down to recruitment upstairs, which I think we've touched on before. I think I think yeah. Spurs have massively under-recruited in the last few years. The thinking must have been Saka Mourinho and then give this team another bounce, like a lift, like have the squad pulled together. And, you know, it could have worked. Like, you know, if against a team inferior to Manchester City, it could have worked. Mm. You know, watching some old Barcelona games, and I just thought it's so weird how those teams normalised 65% possession which basically means you never have the ball. Like 65% possession, like is, you basically, ne you only have the possession when the other team gets tired of having it. Mm. And there were times, there were stretches of this game where it was just like, it's really exhausting being out of possession that long. And I know we say it's just Man City, but well, it kind of is. Like it's a, that, that team is just, any other team in the Premier League, that Spurs lineup has a chance, even with everything they've been through. But it's just Man City. And like, they're that team that make a 1-0 win like a thrashing. They're just that good. And I, seeing this result makes me wonder how upset Pep was to miss out on the FA Cup. Mm. I think that's got to bother him because I really, really these, trophies, yeah, these, these trophies really matter. They really matter. Yeah, they do. They do. It's a big summer for Spurs. It is. It could arguably be the biggest summer that Spurs have had for a few years. A good few years, yeah. I mean, they botched the last big summer. They did. And Levy really needs to get this one right. I hope the people that Levy trusts are telling him that as well. Mm. Because clearly Levy's got a very small circle of people who he trusts to give him a steer on stuff. And he's made a lot of big calls that have been right, probably by himself. And that's his way of making choices, decisions. But I just hope that someone in his circle is like, this needs a second look and fast. You need to get this right. I think they need to sell as well, but to be honest, because I don't think Spurs have got the money. That's interesting. Yeah, they've got that because huge debt. Huge debt with the stadium. And obviously they haven't been able to have any income because of the stadium that the, sta yeah. that the new stadium was, would have generated, which is precisely why they moved there in the first place. Yeah. So the timing for Spurs, is, as the timing for anyone has been grim, but I think 
the timing for Spurs has been super tough in that aspect because the whole reason of moving there has been completely thrown out. You get a new stadium and you get a pandemic a couple mm. of years after. I mean, well, no, talk, about, horrif- like, talk about horrifying luck. What, they moved in full time just before the end of the season when they went to the Champions League final. And then, what, seven months later, there's a pandemic? Eight months later? Awful. Congrats, Man City. Congrats to Pep. I think that's yep, his yep. 30th trophy as a manager. Since he became a manager, I think the next closest is, uh, is it Mourinho? Gosh, that's, yeah, it must be. Guardiola 30, Mourinho 13, Allegri 13. But shouts to Gallardo in South America, who's also got 13. Okay, we need to wrap on the first legs of the Women's Champions League that took place this weekend. Yeah. Bayern, the big one. Yeah, do you know what's wild about this though? These, these four teams, it feels like I watch these teams and every half hour I'm like, this team, I can see this team winning the whole thing. <laughs> it keeps changing. Yeah, because I was... Um, well, back up. Let's back up a sec. So Bayern beat Chelsea 2-1 in Munich and PSG Barca was 1-0 in the first leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously Barca getting that away goal, which is vital. And Chelsea getting the away goal though as well. Yeah, but the overarching thing with this was the standout result is just the, is obviously of the two is the Bayern win. They looked extremely impressive and it's been a funny one for them because they've been, they've been running away with the Frauen Bundesliga for most of the season, but now there's a title decider because Wolfsburg are only two points back. So all of a sudden Bayern, having been front runners for a while, are dragged back into it. Um, but they've been brilliant this year in the Bundesliga, but there's always been that question of how will they fare against the rest of Europe, especially mm. against the Chelsea team that's coming out of a very competitive Women's Super League. They were brilliant against Chelsea. And what was interesting was, so like, caveats, Chelsea missing Marimielda, missing Magda Eriksson. Mm-hmm. So there's maybe a slight inhibition in the build-up play um, because Chelsea, like, they attack so well, but the build-up does come from the back. And Sophie Ingalls is a centre-back now. And I, you know, a lot of people prefer her as a DM. Maybe she does. Uh, but the interesting thing with this game was Bayern basically let Chelsea almost have the centre circle. So they almost let them have the centre circle. So the midfield three, they kind of let them do that, but they counterpunched really, really well. Mm. Really, really well. Lena McGill was brilliant in the sort of central role um, up front. And they took the lead very early on, Bayern, through Sydney Lohman, who thinks, I think, uh, actually follow Jasmina Schreiman on Twitter because she's got some, she's been watching Sydney Lohman all year and really looking at her as a breakout star. She's only 20 and has scored like what, 14 or 15 already in like 20 something matches. So she's been brilliant this year. Bayern took the lead and forced the initiative. And it was funny because I don't think I've seen Penilla Harder be as, how's the word? How do I put this? I haven't seen her as well engaged with, as funnily enough, the last time I saw her against Bayern, which was in the, when she was at Wolfsburg still, they were quite good at not letting Penilla Harder get into the dangerous spaces she likes getting into. Mm. And I think, I think that having seen her play for Wolfsburg so often it really was good for them. I think having a good look at, there's a good example of like, really having done your homework on a player because you've seen them in the league quite, quite a lot. And it wasn't that Chelsea were bad, actually. This is the point. They weren't bad at all. Um, even the lead they took through, it was a mistake by Anker Tinberger that she wouldn't, have, she wouldn't have made that mistake in 30 previous matches. It's not the kind of mistake she normally makes. Mm. I mean, we were um, just bigging her up the other day for that unbelievable exactly, mistake she made midweek. Right, right. That's not a mistake she's going to make in a second leg, for example. She makes that like once every 30 games. But Bayern was super impressive on the break. And what was interesting, Berenstein was someone who I saw a couple of years ago for Bayern. Um, carrying the ball very, very well from deep. 
And now that's just the thing that she, she wasn't really starting them regularly at that point, but now she's just like that Bayern team, like everyone stepped up like 20%. Mm. I mean, if you look at that team from before, you were like, this is a very good counterattacking team that will soak up a lot of pressure and take advantage. And now they're like, they counterattack, but it's because they want to. They give you the ball because they want to. And they're very good at allowing Chelsea to have the ball in positions that are relatively safe. You know, you can have the flanks, you can have those pockets in the middle third. You're not going to hurt us with that because they're not really, the three, the midfield that they had, they didn't have the runners from midfield. Kirby was playing high up in the front three. So they didn't have the runners from midfield. So it was almost like, we can let you do that because you're not going to hurt us. And to be fair, like they rode their luck a little bit. Ji Yon hit the bar with a great effort. So there's always those elements, but fundamentally I looked at Bayern and was like, this was a statement. This was a big statement. Pretty big statement for Barca, I think, as well. Go like leaving Paris with a one-all draw, like, and they took the lead with Jennifer Hermoso in the like really early on, and then um, they looked like they were going to run away with it. Yeah, they really they did. did. Yeah, the thing that I found yeah. really interesting in this though is that PSG have a front three of what Ashley Lawrence, Marie Antoinette, Katoto, and Sandy Baltimore, and then Alana Cook pops up with the goal from right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you know, you know what this- though? That's actually a massive plus for PSG. But there's something going on with PSG, and I was having a chat with um, Philippa, so at Philby1976, who covers French football on Twitter and she's an excellent follow for French football and women's football. And I was like, there's a thing about PSG, I noticed it against Lyon, where in both legs, finishing was a concern. Mm. I, I didn't want to sound harsh, but I was like, the, the finishing was an issue because it felt like they were almost, the third competitor in those two ties was not just Lyon, but it was also PSG themselves. Mm. Katota had two very good opportunities in the first half, threw on goal, hit the inside of the post and put one wide. Within about three, four minutes of each other, and I was like, these are the chances. And it's funny because the two, the weaknesses of Barca, because Barca have been so good this year, they have the high line. And also because they've been so good this year, I don't think they can see that many set pieces in and around the box. And they're things they're not accustomed to facing. They're not accustomed to facing quality on the counter, I think, of PSG, like week in, week out. And PSG's movement was outstanding, which is why they stand a great chance in the next game. And Gura was brilliant in the field for them. I was just concerned because it looked, after about 12 minutes when they took the lead, Barca, I thought they were going to run away with it because they put on some intense Mm. pressure. But then a period came where PSG were like applying their own. And I just thought, I hope we don't regret these misses. Yeah. I mean, you could see like, the thing is when they bring on Ashwala, Caldente for the like last quarter of an hour as well, it's almost like, what? More? More? Um, But to be fair though, this is the thing, like this with these two teams, the PSG can bring on Rabona Bachmann and Nadia Nadim, and it's just like, with all that talent on the pitch and you've still got that in reserve, it's like, this is- this Too is, close this to is call. A, yeah, yeah, I mean, you now see how it's not a huge upset that, for example, like Lyon didn't make it through. You know, these are- these, Oh, not at like, all. These not last yeah, four, yeah, yeah. these final four are like- Legit. Oh yeah, there are, any one of them, any one of them is a worthy winner. Like any yeah. one of them would be a, I would go so far as to say that none of them would be a surprise winner, actually. Huh. It will be fortune favours the brave. I think it'll be a straight shootout, to be honest. It's going to be interesting because PSG will need a goal. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Chelsea will need a goal. It's good. Yeah, it's tasty, that. Tasty ties. Um, we'll cover them next week, though, after the second yeah, leg. Yeah. After three podcasts in a week of not a huge amount of football, some quite hefty amount of football in there. Yeah, and some good, yeah, like decisive, great narratives, great stories and goals. The goals were, were beautiful. Now let's get out of here. Let's do it. Uh, we hope everyone's staying safe, staying well, staying positive if you can. We've got a bunch of emails to get back to. Apologies for those who sent emails. And we still need to, yeah, we got, we might have to roll out a couple of bonus ones, you know, to get these ones done. 
to get the four classicos done and to get the chaotic 11 part two done let's do it infinite chaos more <laughs> bloody work <laughs> don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer you can follow us on twitter at stadio on instagram at stadio football and yes yeah, stadio outro's playlist on spotify all the music we play out on uh, we're playing out this episode on this time by drama um, anything else you want to add Musa I mean we've got to end with drama what else could be more appropriate than that so no nothing to add your honour the case rests the defence rests much love everyone stay safe and we'll be back on Thursday see you then